cliffcentral.com. I have tears in my eyes because that's, that's why I am so passionate to just talk about it and hopefully help more women. The idea of being a fully liberated, a fully expressive sexual woman is completely, completely unacceptable. If you look at our history, when we were really admiring or looking up to fertility and to different elements of nature, when the woman pleasure and the woman's sexuality was just holy and sacred. What does gender equality have to do with female orgasm? Turns out, everything. Welcome back to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm Timothy Maurice, a behavioral psychology researcher, and today I explore power and orgasm. If you're interested in gender equality and aren't afraid to have a mature, bold conversation about the practical and symbolic nature of orgasm and how it's used to oppress women and what women can do about it, and even men, then this episode is for you. A huge thanks to everyone who continues to listen and share these episodes as a way of furthering the dialogue about how our brain works so we can influence our personal, professional, and social lives in a positive way. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking to Tamar Gorin, an Israeli-born pleasure activist whose personal and career story is not only inspiring, but offers a level of insight you may not have considered. In this conversation, we explore her journey as a pleasure advocate and how male-dominated social systems are set up to suppress women's full pleasure potential. We also get into a bit of detail about how to pursue your highest orgasmic self. Yes, we go there. Since working as an ally for gender equality by researching, interviewing, and listening to women for nearly 15 years, it has become clear to me that we're not having the full conversation about what keeps women and men divided, nor are we speaking about the impact and toll it's taking on women's health, emotionally and physically, and how to break this cycle to free women to live their highest, most pleasurable self. Well, today, we're having that conversation. Enjoy. Tamar Gorin, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Pleasure to be here, Timothy. So I have followed your work for several years, and I think I've let you know on a number of occasions that I've been a fan. And part of the reason why I am a fan is that you straddle the terrain of sensuality as a dedicated discipline observer, as well as someone who's explored it in your own life. Well, that's, uh, for me, the biggest compliment I can get. First of all, coming from you. But the important part in my life is thanks to sensuality and intimacy, um, I got my life back. So I consider this path uh, to be um, quite a therapeutic path and um, a conscious path, which I, I'm sure I could have chose, you know, other people can choose other ways that, that really talks to their hearts. But I think being a very emotional person, being a very... Um, I think empath and empath in general, I, I found, uh, the need to see, uh, more people uh, or myself as well, loving, caring, um, not necessarily s- the sex aspect of it, but definitely the aspect of the care, the empathy, and, and then everything that comes with it, which is to communicate, to touch. All these things are very important in my life. And thanks to the conscious, um, work I've done around it, it really just turned my life around. Take us a little bit back. Where are you from? For those who have no clue who you are, from listeners from around the world, what were you like as a little girl? Where did you grow up as a little girl? I am originally, I was born in Israel and uh, I grew up there till I was 30, actually. And I must say, I'm a citizen of the world. My parents both, you know, Israel is a very young country. And uh, my parents brought me up as a non really practicing Jew, not religious at all. And, um, I, I I can't say that anything was really different because I grew up as a just I had a fun childhood everything was perfect I was really enjoying life but I couldn't find purpose it was so weird I, I it was almost like I had to get to South Africa I just couldn't find my place in the world and I was in a relationship it just ended it was a ten years relationship everything was perfect but I wasn't happy I was actually quite unhappy. 
uh, I decided to come to South Africa just for a while, just to get away. My mother was born originally in, in South Africa, so I actually had curio- big curiosity. I wanted to know what it's all about, and I fell in love with the country. I got into a relationship here, but I was still noticing that I'm just permanently looking for a partner, looking to give everything to my partner, let him define me, plus in the sexual aspect. I noticed that I'm just giving my pleasure away, giving my life away, and in a very happily, yeah, happily. But I got to a point that I think this changing to a different country, starting to grow, starting to be independent, I realized something is also changing and transforming. I realized I'm actually using my sexuality as a weapon, if, if I can use this cliche. I was, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Before you know, we um, jump into yeah. that, because this is, I really, I can't wait to get to that point. I want to know a little okay. bit more about in your 20s, like, what were you interested in? What type of work were you doing? So I was actually, all I wanted to do is to heal and to help people have a better life. I think I was just a very young, uh, when I was young, I, I had a lot of d- distress in my family. My mother was a very stressful person and I could see how my, my willy, I really wanted to give and I kind of navigated that in my twenties to, to go study naturopathy, which is kind of a general practitioner in holistic medicine. In Israel, it's quite popular in Europe, uh, and it's getting to be popular here as well. So when I was in my twenties, I, I was busy with, a, with my 10 years relationship. I was actually always open-minded, always was quite free to talk about sex. Actually, I had such a, you know, I had a 10 years relationship. So we were like the, the guiding, you know, the guiding couple of our friends. I always love chatting to people, helping see if I can, you know, give it a tip or an advice. So it's something that was in my blood quite, I think, from an early age. But my 20s were quite, I would almost say, normal. So, you know, I was just uh, in a long relationship, working, doing a lot of reflexology and nutrition. And that was kind of it. You know, I was always had interest in insects, which is something that I'm very proud of. You know, it was, I came from an open-minded home. Um, so I thought, you know, I, I kind of have it all. I had a, this this boyfriend, I had this career, everything was really going well, but something inside was not independent. And I think that somehow when I was 28 pushed me to to finish this relationship. It brought me to a deep turmoil of not knowing who I am and brought me to the point that I just shared with you of getting to come to South Africa when I was 30. So wellness and sort of human, sort of holistic through your reflexology work and so forth has always, always been important to you. I am thriving when I see people's life uh, and people's life quality, any aspect. If it's, you know, I used to give people supplements, herbs, whatever I could. Um, I actually wanted to be a doctor. It was just clear for me. I uh, want I see. to see people's. Yeah, it was just, I, the reason I didn't go, I had to, you know, it's amazing. Like my self-doubt and self-esteem issues, which I worked after, you know, I started to deal with that stuff, but it just stopped me because I thought, you know, I had ADHD and I was really dyslectic and I thought, okay, I can't do this, but I want to help people. So I just went and studied actually quite hard for five years to be this nature of path. But I realized there's something else. It's not really hooking me. It's not, I want to help, but it's really, you know, talking about food was almost like eating around the bush, if I can say that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like maybe the empath in you, but I want to hear from you. Why do you think you care so much about people achieving their sort of best self? That's something I I really, really don't know, but I know it's in every aspect of my life. I I know that some people thrive on different, you know, when different things happen. When I have a meaningful, soulful chat, when I'm around people, when I see people smiling, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my projects was, you know, in between to try and discover what I really want to do was the woman's circle or the wholesome woman. I just got lots of women to come to my house or different venues and just talk about life, about what bothers them in their lives or consciousness. And to see them getting out, you know, from that event was something that I could just feel how I'm fueling myself. So whatever psychological reason, which I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a name for it, but you know, maybe I don't know it as not being a therapist, you know, a psychologist. I'm just enjoying so much to see somebody taking an advice that I can vouch for. You see, 
you know, Timothy, one of the things that bothered me is that I can't really vouch and I can't really give an example when it came to food. I was always an emotional eater and I always wanted to have moderation. And in naturopathy, it felt like, or, you know, in healing, it felt like don't eat chocolate, don't drink, don't smoke. And that was something I think with my empath ability or character personality, I could just feel that it's not good for me if I can't give an example. I can't lead by example. And also that I don't feel that moderation really comes into account. So when I started slowly shifting into intimacy, I realized there's so many ways and there's so much, you know, you can meet everybody halfway. You, everybody can make a step. And that was something that gave me even more joy. So I guess my empath character or characteristics kind of eventually, I also don't like to be drastic. I'm not a drastic person. I'm a mellow person. I love people taking their, t I think processes take time. And that's something that I can say about me. I'm 39 now. I definitely am a different person than I was 30 when I was 30. And I want people to take their time. And that's why also my recent platform, I call it the pleasure journey because it's like, you know, it's going to take time. So I think this is a part of me taking time, brewing with it, cooking, and then seeing something quick result. It's not really what, what it's all about for me. Now let's go back to your journey. So oh, there yeah. was a moment you said where you were coming out of this relationship or you were exploring and you just, you simply just did not feel fulfilled. And I cut you off because mm. I wanted to go a little bit further back. Can you, maybe you can <laughs> continue there. This is the part of the story that not a lot of people know. And sometimes I'm even hesitant to share that story because it's quite crazy. You know, a 30 year old woman, kind of agnostic, kind of unhappy, moving away from her country, moving away from everything she knows. It was quite interesting to just, you know, English wasn't, you know, it's not really my mother's tongue. Um, getting here with people that really the sun and light and love shines through their hearts, but I'm alone and I don't even know where to go. You know, I started a job as a salesperson and I started this relationship and I realize I'm perpetuating the same old, same old, you know, I'm, I'm just, my heart was very, 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 very thirst. There was some kind of thirst that I just couldn't find. What am I searching for? And what I did is the thing that was the most imbalanced, the most not in balance. I just chose to go there. So I've noticed that when I got out of the relationship, I was really using my sexuality as a way to get attention. And I think a lot of women uh, doing, are doing it in different ways. Some are doing that in a relationship, some in, in dates, and some are doing it to just not be alone. And I've noticed that I'm actually, after a long period of being by myself, I realized that it's actually depleting my life force, my, my just day to day energy. And I couldn't, I just couldn't focus on anything because every time it was like a cycle, a very, very vicious cycle. I would go to, for a date, um, you know, use my wonderful freedom, uh, being a sexual person, not afraid using my sexuality. You know, I don't have any problem to create a sexual, you know, co connection with someone. Um, but then I saw that there was some kind of expectation from my side and I was not even aware of what I, I want or communicating. There was so much, there was a gap. There was a huge gap between what I was saying, the way I was behaving, but the way I was actually performing or connecting with people on actual sexual level. And that threw me to a whole different adventure. I, uh, I worked in a, in a sex, um, in sexpo. A lot of South Africans know it, but for people around the world that are listening, um, uh, it's, a, it's just a health and sex exhibition. It's like a, a conference kind of thing, but you know, you can really learn a lot about, about sex. And I was actually selling my brand there. I had a fashion brand and I met a really cool practitioner named John T. Cyril. And we had a mutual friend. He said, why don't you come see what we do in that sec section of the hall? And I thought, okay, I'm open-minded. I'll go and check. And something about the demonstration was actually a very out-there demonstration. It was essential and bondage massage. And I looked at it, and I thought, how weird and, and bizarre is this? I actually, I was quite nauseous looking at it, but even though it was wonderful. I have a huge contradiction in my mind. And that's something that we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about later, that 
I love the idea of connection, touch, you know, sex. It's so beautiful. It's so, it's, it has such an amazing, amazing, amazing qualities and purpose. And then I have this huge judgment around it that it's dirty and it's unnecessary. And we for sure have evolved. You know, we're for sure these modern people that can have sex like in the movies, which is a wonderful trail of clothes. And then in the morning after everybody's happy, kind of never mind what happened there. <laughs> so when I saw that demonstration, I was shocked. I was boggled. I was amazed from my own disliking. Like here I am, this woman talking about sex, going through this, you know, all these kind of, you know, promiscuous, if for, for lack of a better word, or being a, you know, a really healthy slut. Okay. Like taking my sexuality in my own, in my own hands and trying things or whatever cliches I can use. But then I actually looked at people that are doing this for fun and to show other people. And I was, I was, there was some kind of, uh, of a battle. I called John T. I said, can I come? Can I see you? I feel like this system is not in balance. I'm using it a lot. It's the first thing I show. It's the first card I use. And I always get disappointed. And I went for a free talk that he gave to about 20 people. And I was just mesmerized. Everything he said made sense. He was connecting East and West. He was talking past and future. He was talking sex, but from a, from a place of, of intimacy, of connection, of getting to know yourself and not from trying to impress anyone. And all of a sudden something just clicked and I went for, for sessions with him. And then my whole wait, life. Wait, so changed. wait, let me just make sure. Do you remember what it was that really touched you? I'm sure it was like the entire presentation, but was there something? So there's two questions. What was there something inside of that conversation that really touched you? And then secondly, describe what session you say I went for a session. What, what was that session? Yeah. A lot of therapists, a lot of, uh, sexologists, conscious sexuality therapists, and people that are actually working in, let's call it healing or therapeutic, you know, sexual therapeutic fields, um, they must, uh, actually take very good care of, you know, of what, of how they present their brand and how they actually present what they do because we have so much judgment around it. Plus we, we as women, especially, we are so scared to go and actually seek for guidance, for healing. We, we, you know, the, the, the trust is a huge thing. So I went to a free talk, which Jaunty does regularly, uh, as a lot of other therapists do. It's literally a talk, like, um, like a, a little, you know, like a little, I would say 20 people in a room just chatting, right? So it's like a lecture. Okay. What he said there, it was just, he was really talking about, uh, intimacy and, um, like sex 101 kind of, you know, like if there's anything people want to know. But the thing that got me was that he wasn't talking about sex. <laughs> he wasn't talking at all about, you know, this organ goes into that organ or, you know, there was, we, we were talking about the essence and the philosophy and the knowledge and the perception around sex, which is actually eventually what it's all about. You know, the idea of penetration, which modern science has cr called sex is actually really a disgraceful, um, term to coin something so broad. It's one of the pillars, you know, sex is one of the pillars of our being, like our brain, like, you know, our emotions, our sexual system is a endless, you know, such a complicated system. And the fact we just look at it as, um, an orgasm oriented, even though I, you know, orgasms, we put them on pedestal and we should, they're so great, but you know, sex is a whole way of expression. And that's what I loved. I just loved that it was so easy to chat. It was understood. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was nice that everybody was just sharing this embarrassment in the beginning, but then, you know, everybody was just, was just sharing all these ideas and listening. And John T has a very cool way of, um, giving a lot of examples, like I'll just throw one, you know, that sex can be like food. So all of a sudden you understand it much better that you can have gourmet sex, you can have junk food sex, junk food sex, you can have comfort food sex, you know, so it's, it's something that just got me like, all right, you know, sometimes we just want to have junk food sex, but we are aware that we want to have junk food sex. Sometimes we just want to have comfort sex. We know what we're doing. We're using our patterns. You know, so things started to just make sense. And 
from there, because we had a, a language we could communicate on, I, I just started, I really, something clicked in my trust and I, I said to him, okay, we think the same. I, I would like to know what does it entail to actually come for a conscious sexuality, um, therapy sessions. I see. I got you. So, mm. all right. So you in the middle of this journey that you're on, you, you meet John T who's a sexologist. He takes you on this sort of spiritual enlightenment journey and you go for this <laughs> session. And is this sort of where your, the work that you're doing now was born? So to compliment John T and to compliment other amazing uh, sexologists, conscious sexuality therapists, tantric teachers, he just showed me something that everybody can actually see. So the enlightenment that I had had nothing to do with anything out of the ordinary, ordinary. And that's so important to emphasize because that's actually the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today and why, you know, I'm just so passionate about the topic. So I'll, I'll give you some, some, some clarity around that. When I came to Jaunty, it's actually quite wonderful to see that any practitioner that respects himself or herself uh, any therapist that has a great code of contact and great moral and ethics will not try to impress you with guru stuff and not try to tell you that they have the light and they're going to heal you. When you go to any good therapist, and that's a huge thing, you will actually understand that you have the power to just find what you need and with a good teacher and a good therapist, they're just going to, you know, show you and direct you. So, John T., what he does, he studied endless amount of uh, body practices that has to do with pleasure, has to do with the human psyche, but much more from a holistic or Eastern, let's say, Eastern uh, practices. So actually, the practices are starting by conversation. How do you perceive your sexuality? You know, and he lets you tell your story, but he calls it the tip of the iceberg. Then eventually he does some energy work, which other therapists won't do. He, it's a bit like Reiki. It has nothing to do with your genitals, actually. It just moves energy in your body, which me, as a very doubtful person and very uh, judgmental, I would say, or let's call it just thinking, um, critical, you know, like I, I really don't like the word energy. I don't use it lightly, but something did happen. Like I could feel just, you know, feeling a little bit better. A lot of load was just, I, I was crying in one of the sessions. It had, I, I was sure there's going to be much more of sexual you know, context to the, to the, to the sessions. And only in the third session, which he did again, just put his hands over my body and, you know, even with the sarong over me, I could feel actually it was, it was hovering over my sacral bone, which is basically your, your, you know, the back, the, the, the end of your back, you know, just above your, your butt, your, your butt. And he was just hovering and something shifted. And you know, Timothy, it's really funny. I really, I don't believe in magic or anything like that, but just to understand something started to awaken. I could start, I really felt, um, sensations in my lower, in my pelvis and in my, in, in the genitals area, but he wasn't even touching there. There was no substance or anything like that. It was really all about intention and energy going to that part of the body. And the amount of pleasure started deriving, you know, started to just to be expressed from my body. That was the epiphany. That was the moment of, of truth because nobody was making love to me. Nobody had any funny, you know, doing anything to my genitals. Um, I wasn't actually touching myself. I wasn't thinking any sexual thoughts, but there was some kind of procedure of putting the energy there. You know, some other therapists might do it with a massage on your, on your, you know, it might be, it might be even, you, you know, through your genitals, but even without that, it was so profound that I had to ask myself, how is this possible that I have so much pleasure ability in my body and I never even thought or knew about it? I never was educated. I never educated myself. There is so much happening in our pelvis and we are completely blind to it. So that was the moment of truth, actually. So from this moment of truth, you go on this, you extend your journey even further. And now tell us a bit about the work you're doing right now. You know, Timothy, for me, the important part to say just before I tell you what I do now is that in any given point, I wasn't, 
you know, I wasn't conditioning or I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't say, okay, I'm going to live now a life of showing everybody how pleasure is, am- is amazing. I just kept on, you know, getting to the same realization over and over. I was a part of Jonti's uh, podcast for five years and I could see a lot of people changing their lives because of pleasure. I chatted to women. I started interviewing women. I realized that pleasure is a transformational force, which brought me eventually to understand for in however form or shape it's going to be, because I did try to learn from Jonti and be a therapist myself, but I realized that's not exactly what I want to do. I want to get to a much broader reach. I want to talk to more women. I want to create a portal that is going to put more in it, to have more and more information about the benefits of pleasure, how empowering it is. In the beginning, I created Sensual Guide, which was a portal about sensuality. And after a while, I realized I want to do something more that really connects to pleasure. So I've started researching the last six months, uh, countless amount of resources around women's pleasure, the possibilities. And what I do believe in that every woman and every couple and every person has a different entry point to, to discovering their bodies. So Tantra is not for everybody. Uh, sexology is not for everybody. Um, you know, so we need to understand there's different ways these days. We're very, very blessed. There's sexual coaches. There are relationship coaches. There are amazing, uh, sex, sexology embodiment uh, work. So there's so many different ways to go about it. And I'm actually going from one experience to the other. I'm reviewing it. I'm checking it. I'm interviewing the people that are doing, um, you know, this work. I'm trying to understand it from perspective of a woman that is, that is really maybe terrified, maybe keen to start, you know, her pleasure journey. And that's my purpose. I feel like I just want more women to have endless amount of pleasure. Why do you feel that so many people, and this sort of brings us to the point of this conversation, the value of this conversation. I feel as though women leaders sort of suppress pleasure in an attempt to assimilate to this male-dominated environment that patriarchy has said that you must be a particular way, which means oftentimes suppressing pleasure. Share your thoughts about that. The idea of being a fully liberated, a fully expressive sexual woman is completely, completely unacceptable. If you look at our history, uh, before we became, let's call it a one God, yeah, a monotheistic society, when we had, um, you know, we, we, when we were really admiring or looking up to fertility and to different elements of nature, when nature was still our, um, <laughs> our God, um, woman, the woman pleasure and the woman sexuality was just holy and sacred. And how can it not be? A woman is, you know, facilitating nine months a baby and eventually giving it life, breastfeeding it. A woman has an organ in her body that evolutionary, if you look at evolution, nobody, you know, no, nothing in the evolution has eliminated it. And we know that evolution doesn't keep anything, you know, nothing stays in our body if we don't need it. So the clitoris, which only was discovered recently of its full form, is actually an organ that is very similar to the penis, extremely similar, but with double the amount of nerve endings. And so that means double the pleasure. And all of that means that there was huge, huge force, huge power to to woman's sexuality. But once knowledge and science, which started to form, and the idea of knowing and the idea of, as we said, patriarchal society start forming, and the idea that we want to control each cell, which means only a man and a woman, it's much easier to take taxes or money from, all of that created this concept saying that basically a woman should be completely suppressed because it's a financial form of, of suppression. Because once you know who's your child, you know, you know, who do you need to pay for and who do you need to pay taxes for, etc. So it goes so far that now today in 2020, we are looking at a woman that is really trying to be a man, full stop. It's trying to be logical. It's trying to be completely you know, completely scientific in her thinking. And it's not that women are not amazing scientists, but the thinking of, you know, the holistic thinking, the thinking about not putting everything in a box and trying to understand, which is amazing and it's important, but it's only a part of this universe. 
Another part is the endless amount of wondering, and that's where the female sexuality is connected more to. Because if people have really seen, witnessed a fully liberated sexually woman, they would know it's very, 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 oh, almost scary. It's primal. It's alive. It's animalistic. All these things are not being celebrated in our society. And it's actually completely unpredictable. It is very powerful. And it's actually not even standing with all the other values that we are keeping. You know, everything needs to be timed. Time is money. You know, everything, you know, what is the value of all of that? For a few thousands of years, we haven't seen any value in female sexuality. You know, the only thing we value is money. And that's why, you know, if you can't, you know, that's why it's, there's so much, there's so many questions. So going back to the topic, everything about female sexuality, which is time consuming because a woman takes 45 minutes to fully be aroused. A man takes a couple of minutes. You know, female sexuality is, is internal. Male sexuality is external. So, you know, to disempower women from very young age, you can't touch yourself. You can't masturbate. If you do masturbate, you just quickly have to, clitor- you know, get a clitoral orgasm. Nobody ever, God forbid, talks about, uh, going in and discovering your amazing tissue of your vulva. And the last point is, you know, the idea of, you know, if you're looking at a woman being sexual, it's immediately going to the idea of good and bad, which the human psyche is already inclined to. But a few thousands of years ago, we started thinking in good and bad, female, and sorry, sexuality is bad, which means it's unnecessary for male and female, but female obviously have been much more, you know, deprived. So, so even me, when I'm every single time I'm going through a pleasure experience, I find myself going over and over needing to tell myself it's okay, it's not bad, you're a good person, because it goes much beyond your sexuality. It goes, who are you as a human? And that's the scary part, that we are really uh, judging ourselves. First of all, if we want to have sex, if we want to discover it, it's this animalistic, unimportant, you know, dirty, non-modern, non, non, non-important uh, aspect of our lives. And I'm going to be a man for a moment. And I want to draw a logical model because I know a lot of female women leaders listening to this and maybe even men listening. We're so, we have so much bias around models. So I'm going to juxtapose a model on it. So if you take a woman leader and put her inside of a simple circle and you imagine around this circle, there's this vicious cycle of capitalism, sort of expectation about how a woman should be culturally and like you said, all of this power that a woman has is sort of suppressed inside of there. And the, the idea that this power can create so much conflict if released because we are miseducated and so forth. We don't understand this power. This is doing real damage to people. And I want to talk about that for a moment, that suppressing that, that muting it, this sort of this this idea that if I let this go, people are going to think a number of things. I may even think a number of things about myself. I mean, I've even had sexual experiences mm. with women who, as they were coming alive, I could feel them suppressing. I could feel them getting af- becoming afraid of their own power. So let's talk a little mm. bit about the blunt wound that people are creating in their own life, the pain that they're creating by holding this back. That's a fantastic observation, Timothy, really. And I'm very glad to say that, you know, I'm not the pioneer here. I'm influenced b- by really amazing leaders, which we are going to add some wonderful resources to this podcast. First of all, it's very clear that sex has been in the, you know, it's, it's the most complicated relationship. And I think it's okay to say, yes, we have a very complicated relationship with sex. So let's just accept it, first of all, as an opening point. Then we're looking sure. at female leaders, which are already in this place of saying, you know, and I have been chatting to hundreds of women that have said the same thing. I am living in a male's world. I have to be strong as a man. I have to express my ideas as a man. I can't show my emotions and I can't dress up the way I want. But in the same time, especially in corporate world and in corporate world and in politics, but in the same time, there is an underground current that is definitely bubbling to the surface 
of rebellious women, very powerful women, scientists, doctors, leaders from all different walks of life that are saying actually being sexually empowered is phenomenally good for society. It is very healthy. It is going to create amazing economical positive change, which, by the way, started already with the feminist movement. And, you know, there is there's already so many f- battles that can unite now to become, you know, can become one. But I I'm a person. My personal opinion is that you don't have to carry your sexual behavior on your sleeve. You really don't have to. The way you live your life can be very, very private. The way that you want to explore your own sexuality and pleasure is something you can do in the privacy of your own home. You can start in creating the real change in your own, you know, in your own relationship with yourself, with your partner, maybe with a few good friends. There's amazing research that has been done and been shown that women that are just talking with a few women about their desires, about their pain, about their wishes in the sexual world has already had improved uh, their sexual life in 38% just from talking about it with a few more people. So just bringing it to the surface, not being in this horrible void is already a huge improvement. Then we're taking one step forward of seeing all these wonderful TED Talks, all these amazing therapists out there. People are seeking for help. People are interested. It's not anymore this tantric idea that only, you know, through Osho practices and all these, you know, very white wearing, you know, retreat, going to retreats. It's not anymore there. There is a modern wave of showing the amazing part of, and that's exactly to your point, connecting to your body. So it's not anymore about just having orgasms, which are very important and amazing for your sleep, for your health. But actually, when you experience pleasure, conscious pleasure, that you don't run to an orgasm, um, when you start to discover pleasure, you are discovering a huge part of um, actually starting to like your body. You are starting to claim self-confidence. And all of this is backed up with research. You are starting sure. to understand. Yeah, and you're all starting to understand how joyful you are in your body. You actually have a better quality of life. And I think that it, that's where it's connecting to my personal story. People ask me, what happened to you? You know, like my family. And they still, you know, didn't like the idea that I'm, talking to people about sex and pleasure, but all of a sudden uh, there was something much more um, complete. So I think that's the key. If women and their partners and other people that are open to it or, you know, from any walks of life, it doesn't matter. If people are embracing the idea that pleasure is an empowering tool, that you can be responsible. For some odd reason, Timothy, there's a huge, huge card that people throw, especially when it's from the conservative parties of leadership. They throw this card of promiscuous and irresponsible and and uncontrolled and and dangerous thing about discovering pleasure like literally we're all going to start i'm sorry for my horrible language but you know hurting children or you know like i don't want to say anything that's going to shock anybody but what do you think a person who's discovering joy and pleasure and rejoicing with their body what do you think they're going to do they might going to choose better (laughs) partners you know, they're not going to go and start attacking people in the street. So we have to question a lot of our deep beliefs. And that's what John T. actually did with me very cleverly. He started telling me to ask why. And I want to say something a little bit out there. When I discovered my sexual power, which is just sexual joy, that's all that it is, sexual abilities, right? So it's not really going in the streets, you know, and starting to orgasm in the streets, which will be nice maybe one day. But the idea is that he actually taught me that I started saying like to him, you know, I I feel like I have a new ability, like a Ferrari. I have a Ferrari I didn't know about. And one of the amazing things that pleasure, um, pleasure teachings are taking you to is to start enjoying just being in pleasure and not doing anything about it, which is a huge part of teaching our men and teaching our women, especially in, in, in all the gender violence, gender-based violence, sexual violence is to start to get to know if you are enjoying your body, Enjoy it and don't have to act on it. And that's an amazing teaching that you start learning in pleasure, different practices. You can just be in a state of pleasure without having sex. You can just build up pleasure without coming. And it does, you're not going to be frustrated. You're not going to have blue balls. Sorry for my language. You're going to be extremely vital. You know, you're going to feel vitalized. You're going to feel energized. You're going to feel like you're not depleted so quickly. And that's something 
a huge message that I'm sending out there. You're going to know how to deal with your sexual energy. And you're not going to think that somebody owes you an ejaculation. Somebody owes you, you know, to throw your energy. Because the same way that I gave my, my pleasure to my man, you know, men are expecting women to give it to them, to, to allow them to ejaculate in them or, you know, it's not their right. Nobody has a right on our bodies. And that's a huge thing. A pleasure sensation has all the connection to our nerve system of relaxation, which means anything that has to do with pain, torture, forcing something upon some, that's not pleasure, that's sheer sex, which is nothing to do with pleasure practices and empowerment. So I want to make this very, very clear. Women are sitting at home and making this correlation because nobody ever taught us that it's actually a separate thing. Your pleasure practice can be a complete meditation and complete, you know, uh, time with yourself, which has had has to do with just detaching you from that shame and guilt that is so deeply rooted in our genetics because it's been thousands of years. I want to use orgasm as emblematic because as we've just been speaking about, I mean, and, and we've only got about seven more minutes. I, I need like three episodes. We need to do a whole series together on this, I think. For the purposes of this episode, orgasm, the idea of orgasm, people are afraid of it. Um, particularly, like we said earlier, if a woman starts to express her kind of pleasure, to even think about it, there is this sort of societal kind of pushback, right? Let's just quickly demystify what an orgasm is and what it's not. A woman is starting to actually ask herself the idea of, first of all, understanding that pleasure has to do with our body. If we're not going to be able to love our body, look at our body, understand we have a genital, understand the, the, the anatomy of it, understand we are not sinful, all these things, that starts from the mind. So that's the first strategy is to start working with your mind. Ask yourself, why? Go speak to some, if you are religious, go speak to some, to some priests or some other, you know, people that can help you, but they are a little bit more open because there's a lot of priests that actually are very open, uh, to talk about, you know, sexual teachings and how much pleasure is important. So this is something that you have to decide for yourself. What is important in your life? I made many choices and I know most people that have decided to change a career or, to get a divorce from an abusive relationship or anything that they didn't want anymore that didn't serve them was not so easy in the beginning. So the idea of orgasm to read about is very easy. The benefits of, of orgasm, really, there's so much research around it. Then that's the easy part. Then you start asking yourself, you know, maybe how, how can I create a healthier body, body, mind relationship? And that's to start enjoying your body, right? So we are all the time sitting in front of a computer. We are, you know, we are so detached from our body. We just believe in, in Hollywood and in those images that everybody needs to look perfect, which is the opposite actually in, in, in reality. So starting to form a loving relationship, like dancing, some kind of yoga, some kind of movement, you know, understanding your body is blissful. Your body is full of gifts. Your body is the most precious thing that you actually have on this planet. And the last part is to start finding a very, very well recommended um, source of information. If it's uh, one of the sources we're going to, to supply to the listeners, you know, there's amazing sexologists these days, there's unbelievable TED Talks, there's great lectures, there's psychology researchers, there's, there's so many sex, um, um, uh, sex coaches like Leila Martin and, uh, Keely Olivia. There's amazing women that are coming from 100% power and they're very unjar. They're very, uns they're not, you know, they're not coming with these anatomical terms of your vulva or your clitoris. They speak to you as a person who just wants to grow, just wants to enjoy, just want to, to really use what the amazing body, you know, the, one of the parts of their body, they just want to enjoy it. So that's kind of the three step to start and even tackling this huge topic. You know, you really have to not look at, at answers outside. You have to look at your body and you have to be extremely loving with it, which is the first key, I would presume. There's so many studies that have shown that 
the majority of men experience some level of orgasm. And I know there are different types of orgasm, even for men, but like half of women never experience an orgasm. And is this because of what you're saying is that, you know, they are prevented or society tells them not to go on this pleasure journey. So they're not connecting with their body. They're not, they don't have a healthy relationship with the explosive potential of their body or is it something deeper? The most obvious is the fact that we have zero knowledge of our bodies and everything that comes with it. Okay. So the tissue that exists in our bodies, um, is completely numb because while men have much more exploration with their penises, basically just because it's much more acceptable for men to masturbate, you know, for female, again, we're going back to the same point, female to insert something into their vulvas is something that is completely, completely, un- even unnecessary. So you can, you know, the, the, the idea is that you can masturbate, just, you know, just touch your clit. But that's from huge amount of uh, basic lack of knowledge, this misunderstandings and the idea that modern um, medicine didn't investigate the female uh, genitals till really, till really le- recently. The second component is the, the idea, what is sex, which we talked about, which is penetration. That's how the, you know, science defines sex. And from penetration, there's very little stimulation to the clitoris, which is, has, by the way, um, uh, nerve endings on the outside of the genital and the inside. The whole upper wall of the vulva is actually filled with nerve endings of, you know, from the entrance of the vulva going up all the way to the cervix, huge amount of pleasure centers, which take time to activate. I'll, I'll grant you that. But once you are stimulate them gently and you're stroking them with enough lubrication, they are awakening levels that as well, as we, as we mentioned, male has, male genitals has 4,000 nerve endings. Female genitals have 8,000 nerve endings. It just adds up. There's much more pleasure potential. So if you define sex as a penetration, you won't really define pleasure in the same time. So in different researches, they show that if you stimulate the skin around the entrance to the, in the vagina, around the clitoris, inside the vulva, very gently with lots of lubrication, without creating stress, you are actually starting to create um, awakening, sensation awakening in the tissue. Uh, and then eventually you start to, the brain starts creating that connection. And slowly, like knowing how to drive, ride a car, drive a car, you will know how to make those connections as a woman to start actually start creating new neuropaths to start creating connections of orgasm. So it's definitely an ability which is acquired. It's not something you're either born with or not born with. And that's the third myth. That's the third myth, huge misunderstanding that it is something. And I just read it in a, in an article by a woman that wrote the book, the gap, uh, the pleasure gap, that it's like riding a bicycle, like any skill. You are just going to learn to do it better and better and better and better. So, how do you define sex and how do you define pleasure? That's where basically where it's all about. But this whole thing about G, G spot doesn't exist and is squirting, does squirting exist? All of this is actually needs to end now. All of these things exist and, and it's time to stop, you know, giving a hand to all these cosmo, Articles which are still perpetuating ideas from the 90s, which was, you know, just to try and keep the male idea about sexuality, which was porn in Hollywood. And now it is really all about understanding that organ, which is, again, to try and get the shamefulness out of it. But it is something that any person, only very few women have a real problem to get to pleasure. And I'll give you another interesting fact. Women that have gone through trauma women that has gone through massive abuse but have gone through healing and now are going through pleasure journeys and learning to awaken that tissue can experience massive pleasure and it has nothing to do with the fact that women went through trauma. They can still experience uh, the full capacity of their pleasure capabilities. As we close, I want to just say firstly, wow, thank you. But I want to ask you, I want you to imagine standing in front of you is a woman dressed in a power suit in the typical archetypical 
way that society said a woman should dress. And she says, I have not connected with myself. I've become super successful, but I have not went on a pleasure journey. Why should I go on this journey? And you look her in the eye and tell her why she should go on this journey. So I have tears in my eyes because that's, that's why I am so passionate to just, um, talk about it and hopefully help more women. I'm not yet helping enough. Um, but, um, I can say that from every resource and every, uh, professional, and that's why my platform, I'm interviewing professionals, sexologists, psychologists, um, six, um, you know, holistic therapists, every person that I speak to, um, from knowledge, from knowledge based, uh, about pleasure explains to me and just validates for me how important it is to experience pleasure in your lifetime. It's a huge system. We are actually going through life ignoring and we are actually depriving ourselves from a whole aspect, a whole dimension of life that just because of fear and because of uh, disconnect, we are not allowing ourselves mm. to enjoy. And my, my humble opinion is that it's too much fun <laughs> and it's too much, <laughs> it's too much joy. It's just, it's like telling you that there's the best amusing amusement park. It's unbelievable. You're going to have drugs without drugs. It's basically the, the experience of pleasure is very similar to all kind of um, experiences of MDMA, which is the components in ecstasy, but it's natural and it's only healthy. It has no side effects. Women and men can be hours in, uh, in pleasure situations, which doesn't mean necessarily a direct orgasm, but kind of in between, let's call it in the pleasure scale, five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that pleasure scale between orgasm to non-orgasm. And that's very healthy for a human being. We reduce, we produce oxytocin, which makes us fall in love with our partners, with ourselves. We produce dopamine, all these good neurotransmitters that actually makes us happy. Um, and so on and so forth. I can go on. But if I could tell that woman that there's a huge amusement park and there's a feeling of, of, of being high without being high, all in her body, I would just invite her to say, why would you not? <laughs> to every woman and man listening, let's explore every angle that divides us and have more open and full conversations about how patriarchy and the norms we've accepted may be suppressing the full pleasure we're entitled to. A huge thanks to Tamar Gorin for your extraordinary work, and you can visit her at thepleasurejourney.com. Please rate us, comment, and share with someone you care about. Until next time. Cliffcentral.com